Welcome to Out With Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. Hello, and welcome back to Out With Dan. I am excited today to talk with Michael J. Wilson about his Morning Dove Mystery Series. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Dan. I'm very excited. A friend of mine turned me on to your uh, books. There are three of them so far in the Morning Dove series. Um, Murder on the Lake of Fire was the first one, and I was captivated right from the beginning. I just enjoyed them. Um, I know you're from Tennessee. Uh, Give us a little setup about the location of the books. Yeah, well, I'm from Lebanon, Tennessee, so I, I born and raised there, and uh, we used to go to the Smoky Mountains region, Tennessee, East Tennessee, a lot, uh, and I just felt that was uh, a really unique character, uh, a unique setting for a book, and, and that's so that's where I set these books, is Smoky Mountains region. It's nice to, uh, that area, I don't think as far as a location, uh, figures into too many novels, and uh, as we were talking before we started the recording, uh, it adds almost an extra character to the stories because that area is so rich with character. Yeah, I, I, I agree, I, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to use it because I, I do uh, feel like, like I said, it's unique, it's kind of mysterious, it, 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 it adds a little depth to the setting. They're one-bedroom cabins, I hear, outside of Sevierville for going for more than six hundred thousand yeah. dollars nowadays. So, and that's one of the things that comes out in the book. It's sort of uh, the new and the old of Tennessee, plus the right. money and the not so much money of Tennessee. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so you wrote, um, you write, not just wrote, but you still write a very smart character in Emory Rome, um, and you put him in a position that. We don't see um, gay people in very often. He was in the State Bureau of Investigations. Um, Do you know someone? Was that completely fictional or is that you? Uh, Well, I think I'm in a little bit of each of the characters, but no, it's not me in particular. And I didn't know anyone uh, specifically. Uh, Actually, I started out about uh, 15 years ago. I wrote a uh, a dark adventure story featuring a 15-year-old boy set in the Smoky Mountains. And and uh, after the events of that story, I, I, a few years later, I started thinking, what would that boy be up to now as an adult? And I thought, well, I bet you after everything he went through, he would be in law enforcement. And so I just, that, that was Emery, and, and I brought him into this mystery series. I never did publish that first book, uh, but I use that now as backstory. It's nice to see um, we have gay people uh, who are in mysteries and we have and they can be the main character. But to take someone and give them a position with the State Bureau of Investigations, in my estimation, it really to be in that kind of role in real life, you have to be smarter than the average Joe. You're not just somebody who rose up in the ranks of uh, nepotism in the local office. So I like that because I like to read about smart people. Um, I like to read about, (laughs) I like funny people too and crazy people, but smart people interest me because I want to know their story. I want to know how they get on. And 
in the first book, he gets on, but then he has some issues uh, with his partner, Wayne, who gets to be a pain in the ass in all three books. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a constant thorn. And, 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 you know, he's just modeled after, you know, people you've known throughout mm -hmm. your life that, that mm -hmm. have, have uh, belittled you for, yes. for who you are. Yep, you gave us a, a good bully to want to punch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he will get his come up uppins. So yes. Well, and in, and he even has some character building throughout the three books. So he doesn't I mean he gets some development without giving yeah. anything away. And and that is nice to see, maybe a little late, but still nice to see anyway. I, so, I agree. I, I did. I wanted to to flesh him out a little more in the third book and not make him just a, a bully character, but but give him a little heart too. Just a little one, not too much. Just a little, not much. <laughs> like the Grinch. <laughs> just a little. <laughs> just enough to keep him going. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about. Uh, so Emery comes into meeting some other people that become his partners. So uh, there's a lot of electricity between he and Jeff. Yes. Uh, and Jeff, I, I just, well, we, like you said, you don't normally see uh, gay protagonists of mystery series. I mean, they're, they're in there sometimes, they're, they're like a friend or a suspect or something, but they're not usually the protagonist. And, and then uh, to have him in a semi-sort of relationship with, with another man throughout it is, is pretty unique too. There are other series that they do that, but there's not a lot. And I certainly didn't have anything like that when I was growing up. And so this is kind of uh, wish fulfillment for me. Something <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had when I was a kid. Well, and I think for, as a reader, that was the exact same thing that struck me. It's nice to see things that I wish I had seen growing up. Uh, I interviewed Catherine Shellman recently, and we were talking about different characters in Agatha Christie's books that are gay or gay adjacent. And she wrote an article about that. And I was really, I was really inspired because I'm such an Agatha Christie fan. I've read the books repeatedly. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes even I miss the gay character or the gay reference. Uh, and yeah. so it's nice to see it put on page directly. So thank yeah, you. I'd actually like to see that because uh, honestly, I, I think I've missed those references too. I read them all when I was like in high school. So maybe I just wasn't as keen to that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think the same thing for me as well. You know, some things even today just go right over my head. I can't yeah. help myself. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I, I like what you've done with the fellas and, and Virginia as well. I mean, you've given them such embodiment of real people and tell us about virginia virginia i love her she's uh she's like a best friend she's actually named after one of my best friends so, uh and i just i love her character we uh we've delved into her past a little bit and i think her character is pretty well defined but we're going to find out a lot more about her and give her more spotlight in future books Good. I love that. I love that. Um, I, I love to see this as, as like a, a three-piece ensemble, like these three characters. I mean, Emery is, of course, the the, the main person, but, but I, I feel like Virginia and Jeff are, are just about as important. I agree. And we have something that I will just allude to. We have a very annoying character who keeps appearing in all three books. And um, 
I, I'm ready for a little resolution, but I, in some ways I'm ready for a resolution and in some ways I'm not. So, uh, <laughs> well, there will be resolution to that character in book four. Oh, good, good. Yeah, well, everything, as a matter of fact, book four is going to completely reveal Emery's backstory and it's going to reveal everything about the character you mentioned. So, okay. uh, and, and it will wrap those up. Fantastic. Have you finished book four or are you no, I'm still working on it? Still ironing <laughs> out something. It's a long one. So, well, and I think that one of the things that you've done so well in the first three books is you've given us parts of everyone's story enough to make us very invested in them. I mean, Emery's backstory, we see bits and pieces of it all along. And it is, you know, it's somebody I want to hug. I want for my friend, you know, because it's um, he doesn't have the easiest of lives. So that's that's very compelling. Wait till you find out everything that happened to him. I mean, <laughs> we've just alluded to that in, in the books. We know that something traumatic happened, but we don't know the details. But the details will come out in book four. And, and I, I agree with you. He's someone that I feel like just needs uh, just needs a friend to to listen to if he would open up, you know. Yes. And, you know, and that was something that in the very first book, uh, his relationship, early relationship with Wayne, which I felt that you as an author did such a great job in writing um, the complexities of that and what it's like also to be in a, in a fairly responsible job or responsible job and not feeling like you can come out. Right. And I think that's something that so many people have in their life. And I felt like you wrote that with such with with a lot of love and compassion for Emery and and a realness with Wayne. And I commend you on that. Well, I mean, it comes from being raised in the South when it wasn't. I mean, Nashville's great now, but when I was a kid, uh, that whole area, it was not a place you would want to grow up gay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, you know, you, you, you do get used to, to hiding yourself and, and building a different persona to, to <laughs> To show the world that's right that's right and you know sometimes we create a, a face that we know others want to see exactly. because it's safe for us you know sharing our sexuality our place on the spectrum where we are in our life sometimes it can be very easy and sometimes it can be very difficult and some people it takes an entire lifetime and so and then of course in this emory sort of gets pushed out of the nest <laughs> yeah. a little bit, which, which gives them a chance <laughs> But I mean, I, I, it, it's almost like he wants to get caught a little bit in there because he is being so public in that, that one scene. But but yeah, it's it, it was not by choice, but still. Do you go back to Eastern Tennessee very often? Uh, every chance I get, uh, we, we've, we've been back there a few times and I always make a, a uh, we always plan a few days to stay in the Spunky Mountains. I usually go to uh, rent a Dollywood cabin. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love Dollywood. So, <laughs> so do I. Uh, you know, it, Dollywood can never get enough promotion in my yeah, estimation. I, I agree. I love Dollywood, and who doesn't? So <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. It does have such a magical quality about it. It's it really like, does. I, I always, I, I don't know, it always seemed mystical to me when when we would go and like walk trails and stuff there. It just, and, and then this, you know the, the fog that comes in it's just it, it's just a nice there's, 
<laughs> on the North Carolina side, uh, and I'm sure in Eastern Tennessee as well, but in the North Carolina side, there were a lot of Scottish people who oh, really? first, first cohabitated the Smoky Mountains in Western North Carolina. And they almost worshipped that fog that would cover the, you know, the bottom of the mountains and sometimes all the way up to the top because it's it's very different. And the Indians believed it had a lot of healing characteristics, the land and the air around it. And I don't disagree with them at all. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favorite part besides Dollywood? Do you have a, is there a favorite part of Eastern Tennessee? God. Honestly, yeah, just, I mean, I love going to Gatlinburg and going right into the, the park there and doing some of the trails. Uh, I can't name any offhand, I, I, but uh, yeah, I, I like them all. It's just like, like when I go to Sedona, I love doing everything. Uh, I, I love doing all the trails there and just hiking and being by myself and meditating. So. And having a minute to talk to our, our spiritual nature within yeah. ourselves. Yeah. So. <laughs> It does lend itself to that because uh, of I do think of the qualities, both um, the Smoky Mountains and Sedona as well. So now, now you live in San Diego, which is not the same. <laughs> no, 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 it's yeah, a beautiful city. Yeah, it is. I, I enjoyed. I mean, I lived in LA for years, and then I came down here uh, about fifteen years ago, and. Just, uh, I, I wasn't planning to stay, uh, but I ended up staying. So. That's all right. I did it the opposite way. I, I went to San Diego first and then to Los Angeles. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, <laughs> and my, my husband is, is born and raised here in, in San Diego, so he's got lots of family here. So. Oh, how nice. How nice. San Diego has a lot of, has a lot of wonderful things to it. Once you get a little east of San Diego into the mountains, it's just magical. And, and I'm... I'm I'm actually in Escondido, so it is outside of San Diego uh, City proper. So. <laughs> Probably a little, a little more normal out that way. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I guess a little more conservative. But. Well, there is that. <laughs> I didn't mind passing up on that when I left. So yeah. <laughs> it's it's a pink city. It's it's not blue and it's certainly not red, but it's a little more on the pink verge. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> So um, well, now I'm going to push. So uh, we need a deadline for book number four. It, it's going to be out at the end of next year. All right. That's All right. if I can get it finished. <laughs> so <laughs> I got to finish it. This one has taken me longer than the others. I mean, the other books I, I would write in like six months, but this one has taken a little longer than that. I think when you're wrapping up things as well, I think that you have a responsibility um, to your characters to wrap them up. Now, is book four simply wrapping up our stories that we have now, or is that maybe a potential end to start? So the, it's actually going to be twofold. There's going to be a lot of flashback in book four, which is going to go back to the uh, the trauma from his childhood, which is going to have a bearing on what's happening uh, currently. Okay. So with um, the character you mentioned. So. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. I think that's wonderful. Um, I have not read Sedona, but that will be on my list. So uh, right. I know how very special it is to you. So it definitely is my favorite place in the world. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. I love that. I thank you very much for joining me. Here is one of the other ones. It's called Death Opens a Window. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm going to go a few minutes longer. I'm okay. gonna, uh, hopefully you'll indulge me because this is something oh, yeah. I mentioned to you when we first started talking. 
talk about why your mysteries are different. And when I say different, okay. you don't know what I mean. So why are they different? Yeah, so I have a no guns or knives policy for the instigating murders in my books. It's not that guns and knives don't appear at some point in the books. It's just the instigating murders are not by those methods. I always try to come up with a unique way to kill someone. <laughs> so, uh, because uh, I want the books to have kind of a, a supernatural tinge to them where uh, the opening murders could almost be the opening of a supernatural story, but uh, eventually they, they proved not to be. Uh, so I compare them to the X-Files, whereas uh, in the X-Files, Mulder was always right with his supernatural explanation. But this is like if Scully had been right with their scientific explanation. So yeah, I, I always try to do something. To, I, I don't want to kill anyone with a gun or knife. It's too easy. So I just uh, I try to come up with a unique way to do it. And I do a lot of research, put a lot of research into it, and I'll I'll envision a way to kill someone. And sometimes I just can't make it happen. Uh, I can't figure out a way to make it real, so I have to go to my my plan B. But uh, yeah, I really enjoy that. I love research and I love science, and and so I like putting that into the mysteries. And I like that as well because I think you know science, in my estimation, never gets highlighted enough. And, right. you know, when you give us something and you give us something smart, you give us something that, as you say, is not quite as easy. Yes, death by a gun or a knife, it, it happens in real life. But to create situations that could happen in real life and do happen in your novels, but give them a reason for happening, that is really rather delicious. I like yeah, that a I'm, lot. I'm glad you enjoy it. I, I really do. I, I enjoy writing it. I really do. I, I when I come up with a with a, a cool murder, I just I I, I I can't stop myself. I mean, I, I'll spend a lot of time researching it. It's like, can I make this happen? Can I make this happen? And it's, it's always great a, a great accomplishment for me when I feel like, yes, I got away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I celebrated, and as I said earlier, I really do look forward to book four, and I look forward to our new inventive murder. So it will well, be a yeah. lot of fun. Thank, well, thank you, Michael. You. Thank you. Thank you, Michael, for joining me. I had such a pleasure. And I will post uh, your books and links and stuff. Do you have some social media or website you'd like to share? Uh, all my social media is at Michael J. Wilson. So uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, all that. Fantastic. Hang on for me just a second. I'll be right back. Okay. Thank you for joining me for Out with Dan. See you soon. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out with Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com, on Twitter at outwithdan, and on Instagram and Facebook at gooutwithdan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out with Dan.